Welcome to the New York City Hospitality Alliance podcast, the voice of New York City hospitality. So oftentimes the difficult conversation is, you know, how do we create this balance in which communities are being respected, but also nightlife continue to thrive. Big picture end game is uh, to ensure that every single business in the city feels that they have somewhere to go. We're concerned with some of the policies that are coming out of Washington when it comes to rolling back a lot of the progress that was made. And I just saw New York City being able to play a bigger role in being more aggressive and figuring out ways where we can reduce our impact. This podcast is supported by members of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. Make sure to follow us on social media. Both Twitter and Instagram is at the NYC Alliance. That's at the NYC Alliance. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at New York City Hospitality Alliance. If you're running a restaurant, bar, nightclub in New York City, we have an incredible library of knowledge on our website, www.thenycalliance.org. This is Andrew Ridgey on the New York City Hospitality Alliance podcast. I am here with New York City Council Member Rafael Espinal, who represents the 37th District in Brooklyn that is serving Bushwick, Brownsville, Cypress Hill, and East New York. Councilman, what's up? Great to be on. Thanks. We're thrilled to have you. So I was thinking in anticipation for having you here when we first met, I think, I'm not 100% positive, but we launched the Hospitality Alliance back in 2012. And I went up to Albany and we were going around meeting different senators, assembly members. And I think I walked into your office when you were in the state assembly. Is that? Yeah, that's correct. I was, uh, I was a young, I was a young uh, legislator. I think I was about 27 years old, my first year in office. And I remember meeting you and hearing that you represented the industry uh, and, and even, you know, throughout, I guess throughout my entire 20s, the, the industry has played a big role in my personal life. So as soon as I met you, I always saw you as a connection to uh, government and the nightlife industry and how we can work together to kind of improve the environment for everyone. I know. I was like super happy and excited. And the fact that now you're here in the city council uh, makes it even better because we love having a friend and someone that's interested in restaurants, interested in nightlife, and doesn't just look at it as like, oh, there's just another business in the community. You feel that they contribute to the fabric of our society, which they were, and they do. Um, And I was 29 at that time. So we were both like two young dudes (laughs) in, you know, kind of big jobs and a lot of stuff. So first, if you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing? Well, honestly, at heart, I'm a creative. Uh, I went to school for film and English. Um, so I would feel that nightlife is like a bridge to networking, especially in those fields, right? You see a lot of artists go out at night to the bars. Uh, a lot of them are bartenders, they're waitresses. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw nightlife as, as a bridge towards what I did in school to like what I want to do in the future. Uh, government came by accident uh, sometime between in between of that. So I've always wanted to be a bartender. I never was, um, but uh, it, it just always something that interested me. So I either would be somewhere in nightlife doing something, or I'll probably uh, doing something in the creative field. So you get into this role. You're in the assembly. Then you run for the city council seat. You get into city council. And I got to tell you, it's very cool. You've made a lot of these nightlife issues, which we'll talk about later. 
the cabaret law repeal, the office of nightlife, and all these other issues kind of really part of your platform, which I have to say, in New York City politics, you don't get a lot of that from elected officials. So why was it so important for you to make this a big part of your work? So I would say that I, I, I came of age when I turned 21 around a, a weird time in Brooklyn. It was when Williamsburg started becoming the next hot spot in the city, right? And, and being from Brooklyn, it was like the easy way for me to go out and hang out and go out to my local favorite bars, my local favorite restaurants. But over time, uh, hear, you know, hearing from the owners, because I became regulars in a lot of those places, about the, the red tape that they had to endure, the issues that they're facing, mm-hmm. then also seeing a lot of my favorite venues close, close their doors over the years, I thought it was important for me, being in government, uh, to kind of finally, you know, give the industry a, a real voice uh, at City Hall. So I felt the responsibility, but also I wanted to make sure the city was doing everything it can to value uh, the hospitality industry as a whole, because I, I do feel that it, that it plays an important role in, in New Yorkers' lives and also the New York New York's brand. And uh, for so long, the city has been doing a, a lot of work in making it more difficult to operate a business instead of looking at how it could be a partner. Yeah, you know, a lot of business owners, they do feel, you know, to put it generously, under attack in many ways by not just city government, by state government. Um, And they want people out there supporting them. And I imagine when you go and talk to them, you hear the same types of things that I'm hearing. You know, I got a fine for this. I got a fine for that. I got sued for this. I'm trying to navigate this red tape. So as a legislator, when you hear all of this, you go back What's your process for kind of downloading this and figuring out how to address an issue? And are your colleagues in the council receptive to that? Or are they like, Ugh. I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird to kind of really understand uh, what's, what's the sentiment of my colleagues and just City Hall as a whole uh, and whether or not they, they see a value uh, behind the hospitality industry as a whole. So, um, you know, when I hear a problem, the first thing I want to do is be able to fix the problem, right? Um, usually, a lot of times, uh, when you hear about the Department of Health issues that bars and restaurants have, those become more difficult for me because the Department of Health has their own infrastructure in place that kind of makes it really hard to penetrate and try to get them to help out instead of do what their normal process of, and it's collecting the fine and, and, and going through that sure. process. So, uh, you know, when, when, um, I, 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 when I started thinking deeper of what I can actually do you know, I, I saw that a lot of the stuff that I was doing was kind of small piecemeal stuff, right? And I wanted to kind of do something bigger, broader, in which it brought the industry to the forefront of the city's conversation, which is what led to all the work I've done in the past two or three years. Yeah, I mean, we've been kind of yelling for years now that, you know, restaurants, nightlife, we need support. We've been looking to other cities that were creating these offices of nightlife, and they would really look at the vitality and the culture and the economic benefits that a vibrant nightlife scene brings to New York City. And when you talk about big picture issues, I mean, it was your legislation that created the Office of Nightlife. And that is a big picture issue because that can hopefully materialize into being able to address some more of those piecemeal issues that you just mentioned. So, you know, knowing that it's your legislation and of your vision, what would you like to see the Office of Nightlife do over the years? Obviously, the wheels of government sometimes move slowly, and we get that. But what's your vision? What do you want to say? Well, I think that the, the most important role that the office should play is that it actually becomes a voice in a lot of the conversations uh, the city agencies are having internally and, and what the mayor's overall vision is, right? If, if uh, for example, 
uh, the mayor wants to put in regulations that at the, on the back end is going to hurt the industry. We know it would be great to finally have a voice. I think we finally do have a voice that could be in those rooms where we're not per- that we're not privy to in those mm-hmm. conversations and be able to speak up for the industry in a real practical way uh, to let them see the importance of including nightlife in the overall city's conversation. So I, I think that... It, Big picture, end game is uh, to ensure that every single business in the city feels that they have somewhere to go, and the issues that they're facing on a day to day actually has uh, 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 an office where it can be addressed in a real manner and get real results. Sure. So I got to give you big kudos on repeal of the cabaret law. You know, very controversial um, issue. Um, now that it's repealed, and I know that wasn't an easy thing for you to do and to get your colleagues and to get everyone to go along with you, but now that it's been repealed, I think generally everyone says, okay, we have that kind of dark stain ripped out of our history. We'll look back out of it, but we're glad that the repeal uh, occurred. Um, but now to expand dancing, uh, you really need to change the zoning resolution. Where is that? What's your feeling? If we want to allow more venues to allow dancing, um, what do we have to do? We know we have to amend the zoning, but politically, is this a non-starter? Do you feel like there's interest in allowing people to dance at more venues? I mean, it's it's, it's a difficult, I think, um uh, it's, a, it's a Herculean effort, right? It's going to be very difficult to get done, and that's just the reality. But I think we all believe that repealing the law in the first place was going to be hard, uh, very difficult as well. Uh, we, 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 um, there was decades of advocacy to, to finally get us to the point where we got to, to where we got. But um, I would say that in the, in the past two or three years, uh, with, with the combined effort of, the, of the, all the different communities that are affected by nightlife, we were able to finally get it done, right? Uh, I think that if we're able to keep that pressure, if we're able to continue um, building the advocacy and raising uh, the reasons why this is important for the city, uh, that the that the administration will be able to take it on when they do a citywide you know zoning resolution. I don't believe that the mayor is going to do one specifically just for dancing. Uh, so we would have to look at you know what is down the line that that's really affecting the city as a whole. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's big. Part of change doesn't just happen you know immediately. It tends to be more incrementally and also. Also making things more acceptable to discuss. So certainly if there is some larger uh, rezoning or when they're looking at neighborhoods, I think this Office of Nightlife, as well as the advisory board, which I'm on and the chair of, can really play a constructive role in making sure nightlife, uh, the nighttime economy, is part of the discussion of the rezoning. And I, yeah. I think it's important for uh, nightlife within these communities that are actually getting rezoned uh, to be part of that conversation, right? If we want to kind of test what it would look like to have more dancing in certain quarters and certain streets, those are real opportunities to start introducing that. Uh, for example, uh, when you look at the recent Inwood rezoning or the Bushwick rezoning that's coming on the pike, uh, where we see a lot of nightlife activity, uh, these are these are actually real places where we can have these conversations. I think that's critically important because I know representing the hospitality industry, a lot of time uh, this community feels like their voice is not being heard. And one of the things, and again, more big picture, repeal of the cabaret law, office and nightlife, agent of change laws, just all of these different discussions happening regularly. Um, makes the people that are being impacted feel more comfortable to get out, to be engaged in the political process, and make sure their voices are heard as part of the process. So they're considered when the ideas conceptualize, being developed, 
And they're not just yelling and screaming after the fact saying, why wasn't I consulted? You know, you're really empowering them and making them part of this process um, early on. So I want to step back and talk again, more big picture. I know being an elected official, it is tough. (laughs) You take a lot of crap uh, from a lot of different directions. You know, no matter what you do, you're not going to make people happy. And this doesn't have to be nightlife related. It can be. What has been the most difficult decision that you've had to make in elected office that you've like pulled your hair out and you just hits you in your soul and you're like oh you know tears you apart because you're a good guy and I know you 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 have that feeling yeah no I mean it's a real feeling um to kind of tie it to nightlife Uh, I'll, I'll go deeper into what was that one thing I had to do but you know Nightlife is, I think, is personally important to me, and I think a lot of people kind of uh, see me as someone who wants to go out and create chaos in communities. Uh, so oftentimes, the, the difficult conversation is, you know, how do we create this this this, uh, this this balance in which communities are being respected, but also nightlife continue to thrive, uh, and then pushing that conversation in city hall because I think at the end of the day, it's not the bar's fault or the restaurant's fault. Yes, there are things that certain operators do that don't fall within the law, uh, but it's also the city city's fault for not planning correctly and making sure that the developers are doing the right thing so that the, so that the residents within those buildings uh, are, are, are blocked from the noise that, that is naturally created from, from more street life, uh, you know, making sure that the city's understanding the importance of zoning when it comes to where to place these bars and where to place certain residential neighborhoods. Uh, that has led to a lot of the issues we're facing today. So the city had a big hand in creating all these problems we're seeing today. And, and what we're trying to do is be able to change that. Um, and I think it's important for everyone to, everyone to know that. Uh, so when, when I, I would say the hardest decision I made going back to city planning and to what I just spoke about is was the rezoning of, of East New York. Uh, which is going to create uh, 7,000 new units of housing. Uh, more than half of that will be truly affordable housing. Um, create a lot of new retail spaces in, in that community. Kind of really uh, create a, a, a very vibrant, sustainable neighborhood in a neighborhood that's been neglected for such a long time. Uh, but when you hear the opposing voices, it's kind of talking about how this is a bad idea because it'll invite gentrification and it'll push people out of the communities. You know, being someone who actually grew up in that neighborhood, you know, I felt like I had a hard understanding of what sure. the community wanted and needed. And yes, that included a, a little more nightlife, a little more opportunities for, for great restaurants to move in. Um, but uh, but I, I think that what 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 folks who folks who were outside. Uh, kind of see every rezoning as an opportunity for gentrification. This was really truly an opportunity to build affordable housing. And you kind of had to make that split decision of whether or not the vote you're going to take is going to have a long-term negative impact in your community or it's going to do what you're hoping it accomplishes. Uh, so I would say that that, that kept me up, uh, up at night along for a, a lot of nights. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, I, feel, I feel fairly confident what we did was the right thing. So uh, at the end of the day, you have to think to yourself, you know, what can you sleep with? Uh, you know, is it the missed opportunity? Is it the fact that you probably, you know, threw your community down down the drain? Uh, and uh, you have to feel confident in what you're doing and uh, make that vote. So it was it was tough, but we made it happen. Yeah, you know, in my job, I hear from our members, restaurant nightlife people all the time, and they get really worked up, rightfully so, a lot about a lot, about a lot of these issues. And they start sometimes kind of like attacking me. But I've always found that, you know, you need to figure out a way to channel people's energy. And you're never going to make everyone happy, but I've always found that if you're frank with people, if you're honest, and they know, even if they don't agree with you, they know that you are 
doing the best thing that you feel you can do and you actually listen to them, they may not be thrilled at the end of the day, but deep down, they have to respect you. Do you find when you have individual conversations with people, I mean, I know in the press and at these big town halls and stuff, people can get very excited, but people that oppose the rezoning or any issues, when you have one-on-one conversations, are they different? I think people in general have a big distrust in government as a, as a whole. Uh, so when you have the one-on-ones, it does change it does change the tone of the conversation and kind of overall kind of perspective on, on the issue that, that's being talked about, right? Uh, for example, when I when we were pushing to repeal the cabaret law, there were folks who, who wanted to get the law repealed but kind of didn't believe that everything that was being spoken about was fully transparent. There were probably other some back negotiations that weren't happening, uh, on, at least on our end, uh, in order to get this done. Um, when we talk about, um, you know, for example... Uh, you know, again, creating the office of nightlife. Who does it? Who does the office of nightlife uh, f- uh, really uh, cater to? I, I, I like to make the argument that it's for everyone. You know, everyone needs to feel respected in order for nightlife to thrive. Right? It's there. Uh, so, but when you have these one-on-ones with, with the folks who are uh, uh, who who don't really see, who don't really believe that you're doing uh, or taking decisions, making decisions for the right reasons. Uh, and you're able to, you know, pull them aside and have a frank conversation. Yeah. I think that usually opens up an opportunity uh, for for a level of understanding and realness to to come out. And I, I think that's usually the best the best way to approach things. It, it's sometimes hard. Your, yeah. your ego gets in the way. Their ego might get in the way. But I think if you're just able to talk about over a beer, then I think yeah, no, it's fun. I I I think that's right. I mean, I have similar experiences, um, you know, all the time with that stuff. And even look with the cabaret law. You remember there were folks that were also pushing to repeal the cabaret law, but weren't thrilled with us because we were saying, well. Repealing the cabaret law is really important, but repealing it doesn't mean that you're just going to be able to dance everywhere. And for whatever reason, people got pissed off. Um, But then in one-on-one conversations with people, we were able to say, well, this is kind of in the weeds, the specifics that we're talking about. Um, And then you can kind of start to win people over. And I think those one-on-one or smaller group conversations allow you to build trust with people. What's the old saying? You know, if both sides are mad at you... You're probably doing something right, right? You know, exactly. so um, I think that's true. Kind of leads into some of these other bills because you are, you know, pro small business. You want to support local entrepreneurs and everything. You're not just doing things, quote unquote, to make it easier. There's some things that you're doing that, in a sense, do make it challenging. I mean, the plastic straw ban, um, which I know hasn't passed yet, um, but that's something that we, as an organization, weren't sure at first where we'd come out on. I know personally big supporter of the environment in my personal life. You know, I try to do a lot of things to just reduce my negative impact. Um, But I represent an industry. So we surveyed our members, and I forget the numbers offhand, but it was like amazing. You know, 80-something percent of the businesses we surveyed actually supported the plastic straw ban, knowing that it would take time to get people used to. The public wouldn't necessarily be thrilled about it because They like their plastic straw or they don't like a paper straw, um, but they were willing to spend the extra money and go through it because they thought it was for the greater good. Um, How do you, again, thread that needle? Because if people are business owners and they look at you as the guy that's going to be their champion, but then all of a sudden you do something that big picture may be the right thing, but short term 
will create some burdens. How do you have that frank conversation with them and keep their trust? Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of having that conversation. But I, I also uh, want folks to, to know that I, I take a thoughtful approach to these things, right? Uh, you know, I looked at the data. I looked at uh, how other uh, cities ha- have taken this on, how it, it had a positive impact in the long run, even on the establishments themselves. For example, the fact that you don't have to buy plastic straws anymore saves you money in the back end. Cha-ching, exactly. <laughs> I just had a conversation <laughs> with someone earlier about that. And like, it's a ban, of course, against the, for the, not allowing the business to do something, but at the end of the day, it saves you money, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and uh, I think there's a, now a push for, for this going to on request, uh, even if you switch to paper straws, which could be a little more expensive. The fact that it now it's now on request, you know, not everyone uses a straw. Not everyone's going to be asking for that straw. Saves you money in, in the long run. So I thought the plastic straw conversation was re- was a real way uh, for the industry to kind of also play a very crucial role uh, mm-hmm. in tackling big issues like like the environment. Yeah, and that's a big thing. I mean, within this space, but I see work you're doing as far as green roofs and, uh, you know, the environment is a big focus, and I see so much of what you're doing has been focused on you know, reducing our impact on the environment. Um, obviously, the future relies on that, but why have you made the environment a kind of pillar of your legislative work? I mean, I would, I would say it's personal to me. I think it's, it's personal to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're concerned with um, the, around the conversation around climate change and we're concerned with some of the policies that are coming out of Washington when it comes to rolling back a lot of the progress that was made. And I just saw New York City being a, a, one of the largest city in the country, um, being able to play a bigger role in being more aggressive and figuring out ways where we could reduce our impact. Um, we talk about green roofs. It's another, um, I would say, mandate that I passed that in the long run is going to have a positive impact for the building owners because they're going to save money on on utility costs, you know, green roofs. Uh, reduce uh, energy consumption of, of the buildings and also, uh, you know, uh, you know, r- r- saves the city money when it comes to collecting rainwater that goes into our sewage and the city has to pay more money because of that water. Uh, so, again, it's just taking this approach where I know it's, 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 it's a mandate, but at the, at the same time, in the long run, I think it's going to have a positive impact for those who implement, who implement those mandates. You know, not everyone understands the overall like science behind certain certain things and when you're able to look at the data and the numbers it saves money no matter what you're doing uh, it's going to be costly in the in the, in the in the in the front end but in the back end you're going to save a lot of money yeah and these discussions you know they kind of bring issues to light and you can kind of force an issue to be talked about that hasn't um been talked about and you know Business owners always ask me this, and we really try to activate them and get them engaged in the political process. Explain, you're not going to get everything you want, but, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. If you're frustrated, you know, get in there, contact your local elected official, go testify at City Hall. You just can't, you know, complain. Um, And I feel like business owners so often, they're working, especially in the hospitality industry, it's like 24-7, nights, weekends, holidays, high stress. There's a million different pieces. So you can't blame them for, you know, not being involved and engaged. Um, but I always tell them you got to make it a priority. If you really care that much, make it a priority. And the other thing is even the bigger restaurant groups with the 
exception of like, you know, the major chains, they're small businesses and they kind of operate with that small business mentality and they don't have super deep pockets. So, you know, you know, we're always trying to get membership right. dues from people, help support right. us here or there, or there. But, you know, in comparison to other groups, we just don't have those types of resources. So we really need to, you know, get people at a grassroots level mm-hmm. to get engaged. But what is your uh, advice for a restaurant or a bar, a nightclub owner that wants to try to have their voice heard and affect change? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just reiterate the importance of them getting involved. Um, you know, I think that a lot of the change happens is because there, there are a lot of uh, big advocacy groups that actually are active, actively involved in everything that's going on in City Hall. You know, they're, they're getting behind certain council members, certain state legislators, helping them with whether it be their candidacy or whether it be while they're pushing policy within City Hall or, or Albany. Uh, it's important that your voice is heard. Uh, it could be as simple as uh, calling your local council person in the area to vote a certain way on, on an issue. It could be as simple as donating uh, a few bucks to a, a candidate who you believe is, has your best interest um, at heart and when it comes to their platform. Uh, and, and just coming to the hearings, right? If, if, you, if you believe that a bill that's being heard, uh, heard on the calendar on a certain day is going to impact you negatively, just sitting in the chair in the room just creates an impact, right? Members see a room filled with a certain, with certain amount of people and they think, wow, this is an issue that's important to this group of folks. Yeah. So what can the city do better to support small business? <laughs> well, the city could do a lot, right? I think taxes is a huge issue. Uh, I think real estate, uh, real estate costs when it comes to commercial spaces uh, c- continues to be challenging for small businesses. I think that's one of the biggest problems we're facing today. Uh, so really create a comprehensive approach of how are we going to uh, make real estate uh, more available but also accessible uh, to, to, to businesses that currently exist, but also those young entrepreneurs who want to start their own business. Um, and, uh, and also look at ways where we create more incentives or we're, we're supporting where we're supporting them with, with, with incentives, the same way we would support, for example, Amazon moving into the city. We should be looking at how we find a pocket of money uh, that would help these small businesses keep their doors open. What do you want your legacy to be in um, the council? <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of issues that are very important to me. I think nightlife is, is one of them. Um, I think I, I'm happy with, with the work that we've been able to accomplish. Uh, I'm happy with the legacy I'm leaving behind when it comes to uh, hospitality. Uh, the environment is important to me. I would say, you know, there, there are great council members in the past who, who, who left, and you can look back at their record and say that person was really policy-driven, also took a very balanced approach on all of the issues. I want to make sure that I leave with a, with a record that, that proves that everything I did uh, in the long run was to better the city and make it more livable for everyone. Listen, I work... Uh Thank you for doing that. Um, I, I think that that is a wonderful legacy that that you can and you will leave behind. I deal with people in government and people from all walks of life all the time. And you're not always going to agree on everything. I think we tend to agree on a lot of things. We may have disagreements here or there, but you've always been a straight shooter. You've always been fair on these issues. And I think that's the most that anyone should want from their elected representative. So I got to say, man, keep up what you're doing. We look forward to continue working with you. Thanks for making all of these issues a priority because not 
everyone else is doing that. And just having your voice out there has allowed our hospitality issues to become part of the conversation. And we see that's already beneficial to everyone. So thank you. Hopefully we'll have you back again soon and keep up the good work. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The New York City Hospitality Alliance makes sure that the voice of restaurant and nightlife operators is heard in the halls of government. We deliver you information and education you need to comply and hopefully run a successful business here in New York. For links and a summary of the show, be sure to check out our show notes. A big thank you to all of our members. It's all of you that support this podcast. So if you love the show, you're in the industry, you're not yet a member, go to thenycalliance.org, click on the membership tab, find out what it's all about. Hope you join our community. I'm your host, Andrew Ridgey, and as always, a big thank you to our producer, Mr. Jason Luttrell.